and welcome back to Kidmin Talk. This is Carl Bastian coming to you directly from Kidology.org. I am so excited that you are here. You know, there's lots of things I could talk about, things I enjoy talking about, but today's topic, connecting with kids, is one that I'm passionate about. In fact, I'm going to give you 10 secrets to connecting with kids. And if you applied even just a few of these in the way you relate to children, you will see a dramatic increase in your effectiveness as a teacher. Because when kids know that you care about them and you become a friend to them, they become eager learners when they sit under your teaching. Today's podcast is sponsored by our good friends at KidCheck. I love these guys. They're always innovating, always improving, and I'm going to share with you briefly some new things that they've got going. But right now, it's time to sit back, relax, or drive or jog, whatever you're doing, and let's talk Kidman. Now, if you're anything like me, and I know I am, you don't want to just be an administrator of a children's ministry. You don't want to just be a manager of programs. In fact, you don't even want to just be a great teacher. You want to be someone who helps change the lives of children. In fact, even having an impact on the future direction that their life takes. I know this because it's my heart, it's my passion, and you wouldn't be listening to my podcast if it wasn't yours too. So if you want to be as as effective as possible in your ministry, you've got to decide that you're not an administrator, you're not just a manager, you're not even just a teacher, you've got to become a connector with kids. Because when you connect with kids relationally, that's when lives are changed. Just look at the life and ministry of Jesus, right? He did teaching. He did miracles, He, which I guess would be kind of like a program. He did a lot of great things. But what changed the world? It was the disciples. It was the ones he poured his life in who became his legacy and then ended up carrying on everything else that he did. You know, I have hanging in my wall a framed little poster that uh, a kid made for me back in my ministry back in 1998 at New Hope Church. And let me let me just read this to you, all right? There's a reason I'm reading this to you. I hesitate to do it because I don't want it to come off uh, in the wrong way, but it's just an appreciation note that I got from uh, a young gal in my ministry. She actually wrote it to be from the junior high department. And um, you've got these notes too, right? You, you, you save them. This is one I framed. At the top, it just has my name, says Carl. And then it's a little poem she wrote. It says, I think Carl is a great guy. Now let me tell you some reasons why. He's funny and nice and will give you good advice. He makes up silly games and he memorized James. But the reason that's off the chart is he's still a kid at heart. And that was by Laura Vanna, and uh, this was given at a pastor appreciation thing. Now, the reason I, I uh, read that to you is, is not to toot my horn in any way. You also have gotten appreciation notes, and, and um, kids love you and they appreciate you. But what I love about this is it's so short, it's so concise, and yet it actually contains some of the secrets to connecting with kids right in this little poem. In fact, I could exegete this poem like it was a Bible verse, all right? You know, at the beginning, obviously, she thinks I'm a great guy, and we want kids to think we're a great guy, but there's some reasons, she says. Let me tell you the reasons why, all right? Funny and nice, okay? If you want to connect with kids, you got to have a sense of humor, and you've got to be kind, all right? And and those are just great elements and will give you good advice. And this is important because 
being a great connector with kids, it's not just about your jokes and your fun. You know, if all I did was yo-yos and ride my unicycle and juggling and did a puppet and all that, it wouldn't have a long-term impact unless along with that, connecting with kids, the fun and the being nice, is you got to give them good advice. In other words, they need to know that you're a teacher, that you're trying to instruct them and guide them in the way that they should go. And then she mentions making up silly games. I mean, kids love to play games. You need to become great at things that kids enjoy, whether it's games or whether it's crafts, whether it's drama, whether it's music. Kids all enjoy different things, and you got to get good at some of those things. And then she mentions I memorized James. Now, you don't have to memorize the book of James, but that was something that I did, and I performed at my church in character, um, dressed up like James, and uh, and yet it made an impact on kids because they thought, wow, he memorized a book of the Bible. The Bible must be important to him. And, um, it, and so it shows discipline and it shows work. Now, there's other ways that you can do that, but the way you take your faith seriously impacts kids. It might be the time you spend in prayer. It might be seeing your well-worn Bible. It may be um, the mission trips that you go on. For everybody, it's going to be different things. But beyond the silly games and the fun and being nice, they've got to see your serious commitment to Jesus. Because a disciple is, you're replicating yourself. And so you're not trying to just create silly, fun kids that play great games. You're trying to take kids that are serious about their faith. And they have to see that in you. But then she ends the poem saying the reason that's off the chart is he's still a kid at heart. And I love that. Now there's a big difference between being childish and being childlike. But being a big kid at heart means you enjoy their stuff, you enjoy their world, you still embrace those traits that make childhood so great. In fact, I think it's no coincidence that Jesus said we need to come to him as children. Why? Because children accept dependence. It's a reality of their life. Adults have a hard time with dependence. Kids love easily. They forgive easily. They have great imaginations. They're creative. There's so many things about kids that seems to wear off as we get older. And so I want you to be one of these people that when kids think about you, they reflect on how fun you are, how nice you are, the games and things you do, but they also see you're serious about your faith and ultimately they know you're a kid at heart. You know, I love to quote the Apostle Paul who said, I became all things to all men so that they might be reached. And I think that's applicable in an incredible way to kids ministry. We need to become all things to all kids. We need to become a kid. Why? So that we can reach kids. And so I'm going to give you 10 secrets to connecting with kids. But before I do that, I just want to bring back to your attention one of my favorite companies out there. Um, in a sense, they're a ministry, and that is KidCheck. Because it is so important, the stewardship we have of the children who come into our ministry, that we're accountable for them, that we know who's there, that we notice them when they're when they're gone. And KidCheck is a ministry that makes that easy. In fact, I will link in the show notes a blog post I did years ago called They Read My Mind because I used to really despise check-in and database systems because they were so uh, much work, they were so tedious, they weren't user-friendly, and KidCheck was not around back in those days when I was doing this using, you know, really clunky cutting-edge software that's that's long gone now, That uh, that because it, the relational impact 
of knowing the kids are there, missing them when they're gone, following up and all that. And KidCheck has made this really easy. In fact, a lot of the work of the data entry is given to the parent. And that's not a burden because they're just one family. So they enter their information in the KidCheck system and it saves you all that data entry when they move and information changes. You know, they're doing that for you. And they've just now um, completely revamped their entire look They've also increased the customization of the reports that you can get to make it so much easier to get to the data you want. They've got other features I love with where you can text message parents and things like that. But let me just read to you a quote from Alex Smith, um, who, by the way, I've done an interview on this podcast before, and I will link that in the show notes as well, where he talks about why he started this company and uh, his passion behind it and kind of walks through what it would look like. Let me just read you this quote, and then we'll get on to our 10 secret tips for connecting with kids. But Alex says, we wanted to update the look and feel of KidCheck while continuing to focus on the ease of use that KidCheck is known for. In addition to giving KidCheck a more modern look, we've also made it more intuitive with larger font size and buttons and improved navigation. In fact, they've even done some things where you can have seasonal backstage themes uh, for the holidays and nature and stuff like that to even make the experience constantly be uh, fresh and, and new. So uh, let me just encourage you, and remember, if you're a premium member of Kidology, you actually get a discount on KidCheck. So Go to the show notes, click on the links. I'll have one specifically um, where you can get a free demo of what it could be like in your church. And then if you're listening on the road, just remember kidology.org slash kidcheck. And that will take you to a page right on our site. You can learn all about it. And when you click through from there to the members only page where you got to be logged in, you'll have access to how you can get that discount. I love KidCheck because they make relational ministry easier and less tedious. And relational ministry is what it's all about. That is the kind of ministry that Jesus had. In fact, years ago, I wrote the original Kidology handbook and I subtitled it, Your Effective Relational, Your Handbook for Effective Relational Ministry to Kids. And relational ministry is a theme that you will see permeating everything on Kidology and everything that I write. But sometimes it's conceptual. So I want to give you 10 really practical tips of ways that you can connect with kids and and have a relational ministry. All right, I'm going to fly through them. I've done these uh, taking more time in a, in a long workshop, but we're just going to cruise through and let you know what they are. Number one is notice them. Now, that sounds crazy uh, and, and obvious, but you know, there's something unique about us who love Jesus and love kids is that we see kids everywhere we go. In fact, years ago, I used to kind of think it was weird, didn't know if it was a superpower or, or something negative, that everywhere I went, kids were smiling at me and laughing at me and, and uh, being silly with me from across a room. I know you've had this experience too. And um, But I used to think, you know, I, not, I don't have a costume on. They don't know I'm a children's pastor or a magician or a puppeteer or a balloon artist. I mean, I'm just, I, I think I look like a normal adult when I'm out and about. And yet these kids would um, just light up. And it finally occurred to me, in fact, uh, someone else pointed this out for me when I was remarking on this, and they said, Carl, it's because you notice them. See, kids live in a world where everyone around them is walking around, doing things, they're busy, they've got important stuff to do, more important than the children, 
kind of like the disciples, if you remember that story. And then here you are looking around and you notice kids and you make eye contact with them. So from their perspective, here's the one adult in the sea of grown-ups who actually noticed them. So eye contact is so important. Learn kids' names, all right? There's nothing worse than uh, saying to someone, hey, member number 573026B, we're so glad you're here at church today. No, we've got to learn kids' names. Use name tags if you have to cheat. But um, it's so meaningful when you are called by name. In fact, I remember some people who were heroes of mine in my life that I met them and later I crossed their path and they used my name and I thought, wow, they actually do know who I am. I actually am important to them. You know, one thing I do to learn kids' names is I pass out a sheet about once a year. I ask the kids to put a picture on it, their name, their information, their hobbies, their interests, and it's basically like a missionary prayer card. Then I three-hole punch them and stick them in a notebook, and it becomes my prayer notebook. And as you pray for them, you are looking at their face as you pray, and you'll begin to learn their names, all right? And there's info on that in the Kidology Handbook. But identify what's unique about them. You see, Kids aren't all the same, but we tend to treat them all the same, like an assembly line. And what we have to do is start to really work to find out what's unique about them and then to articulate those things to them, all right? So noticing them is number one. Number two, surprise them, all right? Kids love surprises, all right? But surprising them also means to be that adult in their life that's different than all the others. In fact, you could be a secret buddy to a kid and uh, where you send them little gifts in the mail. And of course, you'll, you do this all with the, with the parents' knowledge and everything. Um, in fact, I had one little boy named Ben years ago, and he was one of my secret buddies. And I was sending him little gifts based on things I learned about him. found out his favorite Star Wars character was Yoda, so I sent him a Yoda uh, action figure in the mail. And one reason I did it secret is I, I can't do this for every child. And if a kid comes to church going, look at this action figure that Pastor Carl bought me, you know, then, then I'm going to be buying action figures for 100 children. But this little boy, Ben, came up to me and he said, are you my secret buddy? And I said, well, let's, let's think about this. I said, what is a secret? And he said, it's something you don't know. And I said, do you know me? Yeah. Well, then could I be your secret buddy? And he goes, I guess not. <laughs> I didn't want to actually lie to him, but I kind of got him off track a little bit. But as he got older, one day he told me as a, as a young man, he says, I knew it was you all along. But, you know, doing things that surprise them, you know, visiting or calling during the week, remembering their birthday, using email and text and social media if it's appropriate for their age. But bottom line, you want to be the teacher whose name they remember years from now from now. You know, I look back over my life and I remember Charlie Hand because on Sunday nights he would he would sit with me and he would talk to me and I knew he was more than just a Sunday school teacher. I remember Margaret Bramble, we called her Muggsy because of the way she prayed. So passionate. I remember Helen Reed because she had swim parties at her house. I still remember the sign above the wall that said welcome to our ool, O O L. And then below that it said notice there's no p in it. Let's keep it that way. I thought the sign was funny, but I remember Helen. And so you remember these teachers who surprised you by being unlike all the other adults in their life. Number three, believe in them. You want to be the one who sees what they can do and not what they can't. So often, kids are hearing what they got wrong, what they didn't do right, that they're failures, they're getting in trouble, and that getting in trouble, that learning, that making mistakes, that's all a part of growing up. I talk about that in a Making Your Discipline Problems Disappear um, workshop that, you know, 
making mistakes is just a part of growing up. But at the same time, they need to have someone in their life who sees beyond their mistakes and sees that they are awesome. In fact, I read somewhere in a psychology magazine, it wasn't even a Christian magazine, but it said every child needs someone who's crazy about them and not just a parent because they expect their parents to love them to death, right? To think they're awesome and the best kids on the planet. But they need someone who's crazy about them. So don't just be nice to your kids. Be crazy about them. Be excited when they're there. Give them high fives. Mess up their hair. You know, swing them around. Let them know you're crazy about them. In fact, that who they are now is fantastic. Not just about what they're going to be someday. Right? We're always asking kids, what are you going to do when you grow up? They don't know. And frankly, they don't really care. They're living in the moment. Another trait of children that Jesus probably was referring to when he was saying, come to him as a child. All right? You know, and one last thing I'm going to throw in there. We always tell kids that we love them. But years ago, I was talking to my nephew. I was at his house. He was very young. And we were tossing around. I think I was playing Pillow Monster on the couch where he buries me in the pillows. And then I break out of the pillows. We were just having a great time. And then at the end, you know, just in a moment of gushing emotion and having so much fun with my little nephew, I said, Michael, I love you. And he said something that just changed the whole way I communicate with kids. He replied, I know you love me, but do you like me? You see, kids can take love for granted. I mean, I'm his uncle. I'm supposed to love him. You're supposed to love your kids, right? You're even supposed to love the kids in your church, but you don't have to like them. I mean, let's be really honest. There's some people in your life who you love that you you don't really like. I'm not going to mention any names, but they came to your mind, right? Yeah, admit it. Admit it. You thought of someone right away. All right, so love is commanded of God, but nowhere in the Bible does God command us to like anybody. It's completely optional. And so, Make a habit of telling kids you like them. You can say, I love you, but I want you to know I like you too. It makes a profound impact on them. All right, number four, invest in kids. All right, if do they have a need that you can meet? You see a kid who their family's not that well off and you see them, you know, wearing some old raggy shoes or not having a good jacket. There's nothing wrong with going out and meeting that need for them. All right, but not just that. Do they have a hobby that you can support? I, I saw a little girl one time uh, just drawing on a piece of paper after church and, and she was just using a pencil, but her her drawing was amazing. So, you know, I stopped to compliment her and said, that is fantastic. You are an artist. She said, I hope to be an artist someday. I said, no, not someday. You're an artist right now. Maybe you could do this for a living someday, but you are an artist. And I complimented her. And I, you know, it was the Holy Spirit just gave me this idea. I went out that week. I bought her the biggest box of colored pencils. I mean, it was like this long thing. I don't know if it was 60 or 50 or 80 colored pencils, every shade of every color on the rainbow. And they were arranged in a rainbow. And then I got her a sketch notebook. And the next Sunday, uh, before church or after church, you know, I just said, hey, I I bought you a gift. You are such an incredible artist. I want to see what you could do with this. And I gave it to her. She, her eyes just went totally wide. And she was so excited. And for weeks, you know, she would bring me in pictures that she had done. And, you know, her her mother came to me and said, thank you so much for buying that for her. I, I had no idea the potential that she had. I should have bought those for her as her mom. And thank you so much for opening my eyes 
to how to support and enrich, you know, and invest in my child, all right? So invest in kids. Number five, see, we're, we're cruising fast. You're getting the Reader's Digest fast version. Hope your seatbelt's on. Number five is play with them. Maybe you've heard the saying of friends who play together, stay together. You gotta be playful with kids. And this isn't just a matter of when you're running organized games, all right? This is in the hallway after church throwing paper airplanes. You know, one of the reasons I bought a convertible, you can Google uh, PK Cruiser and you'll you'll find my car because I got a convertible. I changed the, the letters on it to be PK Cruiser. Um, so it's the Pastor Carl Cruiser. And I love taking kids for rides in my cruiser. Sunday's just around the church parking lot. You know, that's why I got into yo-yos and um, things that kids love. And when you play with kids, you know, I still remember one time when I was candidating at a church and I was um, brought in to do interview and stuff. Um, there was a, there was about a half hour of waiting time before something was going to go on. And uh, and so this family of kids, I just started playing with them. And we had set up uh, some a table or something. We'd made a jail and we were playing tag in jail. And I don't remember all the details, but years later, I found out that the mom of those kids was on the search committee. And she said that a big reason that they hired me was because of the way I played with the kids before the interview. They said the interview, you know, was okay, but it was just the way you were laughing and playing with the kids. And I had no idea um, that these kids at the church, I knew their mom was a volunteer somewhere and I had met her, but I didn't know the impact that it would have. It wasn't why I was doing it. But play with kids, create memories for kids. Say, what amazing memory can I make by the way I am just playful? Because kids do remember those things. All right, what have you laughed about with kids recently? Ask yourself that. Pause the podcast if you have to. And if you can't think of a time that you've just busted out been laughing with some kids, then um, then you got some work to do because you need to learn to be more playful with children. My son's got some neighbor friends that love to come over to play. And they're always begging me to play with them. In fact, they want me to play Blanket Monster. You know, you know what Blanket Monster is. You, you put a blanket over your head and go around, rawr, rawr, you know, trying to get them, and they're running away, screaming at the top of their lungs, hoping that the Blanket Monster, you know, doesn't get them. And of course, I can't actually catch them. That would spoil all the fun. But um, it's a blast, and it's funny that here I am. This uh, well, I'm not going to give you my age, but here I am, this old man, right? And my son's kids' friends come over, and they're asking me to play. Not at the exclusion of my son, but they want me to join in the play because they know that I love play. All right, number six, moving right along. Value them, all right? Kids need to know that they're valuable, that they're important, that they're special, that they're unique. And there's a lot of ways to do that. You know, sticking up for them. You know, when sometimes there's a situation and I, I can't think of an example top of my head that, that I want to share, but you know, where there's a conflict or something and sometimes even sticking up for a kid to a parent or to another leader goes, wow, they're not just automatically taking the grown-up side. All right, when you're on their side, it shows that they are important and they're valuable. You know, sometimes you need to see things from a kid's perspective. Sometimes you're not justifying what they did, but you're saying, you know what, um, from their perspective, this is what they saw. This is what they perceived. This is what they were trying to do. And it shows incredible value to them. In fact, one of my greatest secrets, oh man, I'm giving away the farm here, on how to show kids value is the power of nicknames. Nicknames are powerful. You know, Revelation talks about how God is going to give 
give you a nickname, a name that only you and he know. I once had a boss who created a name for me, a secret name. He did this for everyone on his staff and even gave us a little white stone um, that the name was inscribed on in Greek. It was it was really cool. And it meant a lot to me because Revelation talks about getting a name on a white stone that only us and Jesus know. So give nicknames to kids. I'll give you a couple examples. One, There was this one little girl, and uh, I'm actually trying to remember her real name, and I'm blanking at the moment. That's the power of a nickname. But after church, I would constantly notice that um, she'd come up to me, and I'd I'd be in some grown-up conversation and not wanting to ignore her, but being in a conversation, I, I would just scoop her up and I'd just be holding her. And then she just she just liked being held as I was interacting and talking. And she's a like a preschooler. And um, at one point, I, I looked at her and I said, "How did you get up here?" She says, "You picked me up." I said, I don't even remember picking you up. Then I put her back down. The next Sunday, she came up and I picked her up again as I was talking to someone. And I said again, "Wait a minute, when did I pick you up?" And she said, "You just scooped me up." And I said, well, you know what? I'm just going to start calling you Scoop. And I named her Scoop. And she loved that. Every time I'd see her, I said, hi, Scoop. People say, why do you call her Scoop? I say, because sometimes she just comes by and I just scoop her up. Well, then her little sister got jealous. And so I had to name her, her little sister uh, Mini Scoop. But, you know, nicknames can be powerful. Um, there, was, there was one young gal in our ministry, uh, the daughter of one of our team members, and just a delightful little girl. She just adored me. And so she loved a hug. And as you know, we have... Um, all these policies and procedures and and um, you know about the how much physical contact you know that we have with kids and you always guys especially we've got our guard up we always want to make sure that nobody thinks we're being inappropriate with kids but you know physical affection and physical love is so powerful and important when it's done appropriately in fact my favorite quote on uh, appropriate and inappropriate physical contact was from Tony Evans who said what's the difference between kissing your mom and kissing your girl yeah, about 20 minutes. <laughs> but the, there's a point there that um, brief affection is, you know, is better than long affection. And so anyway, this little girl came up to me and she was always giving me a hug. And, and one time I was standing and she just got her arms around me from the side, you know, and I'm thinking, okay, um, I'm not minding this. It's totally innocent. She's completely innocent. But, you know, you know, maybe I don't want to have a kid hanging on me. So for a little joke, I, I kind of pushed her away and I said, run around the room and then give me a hug on this side. So she did. She ran all the way around the room and then boom, she gave me a hug on the other side. And I'd let her hug me for a couple seconds and I'd push her off and say, run around the room again. She'd run around the room and I'd keep up my adult conversation. And anyway, she inherited the nickname Boomerang. Because anytime she come up and give me a hug, it was funny. After a while, I wouldn't even say run around the room. I'd just kind of give her this loving shove. She'd run all the way around the room. Didn't matter if it was the sanctuary or the gymnasium. She'd run all the way around the room and give me another hug. And she loved her nickname, Boomerang. Well, years later, I mean years later, she's she's grown kid. And I um, ran into her somewhere. I can't remember if it was a college campus um, or, or where it was. But, but I remember seeing her and saying, oh, Brooke. It's so good to see you. And she said, how are you doing? And she said, how's Gus and Molly? Those are my puppets. Long story. And um, and she gives me a hug. And instinctively, I just shoved her. She ran all the way around the area. And she ran back, gave me another hug. And the people with me are like, what in the world is that? And I said, well, she's my boomerang. Power, nicknames can be so powerful. I remember one little boy at a church that I was attending who was one of those handful kids like I was when I was a little boy. and uh, But he had a... Um, St. Louis Cardinals hat on. And I said, you like the St. Louis Cardinals? He said, yeah. I said, well, I'm going to start calling you Saint. Well, this, this little boy couldn't believe that I would call him a saint. 
probably nobody had ever called him a saint. And he said, a saint? I said, yep, I now declare you the saint. And every time I'd say, hey, saint, how's it going? Even had leaders come to me and say, why, why are you calling him saint? I said, well, he likes the, the St. Louis Cardinals, but, but I think kids live up to what we call them. And they told me that that nickname completely transformed his behavior because anyone who started calling him saint he started acting like a little saint. It didn't change that he was a full of energy, wirely little boy, but some of the, um, you know, the uh, behavior that probably was optional or taking an edge for the worst seemed to go away. And they thanked me for giving him that nickname. So value kids and use nicknames. You will find them to be so powerful. Number seven is dream with them. Find out what kids dream about and encourage them. And if you can, help their dreams to come true. Every time I see that Make-A-Wish Foundation advertised somewhere, I just think that is so awesome. And of course, I wish that was an organization that shared the gospel and told kids about Jesus. But how amazing that people are willing to give sacrificially to help kids' dreams come true. Well, we don't have to leave it to the Make-A-Wish Foundation, all right? They've got a focus and they've got a mission and it's good for as far as it goes. But but we can do the same thing by helping kids' dreams come through. And I don't have time to share stories with you, but to say there's kids in your ministry and they have dreams and you can make those dreams come true. Helping them to meet somebody, helping them to... Yeah, I, I don't even want to be too specific because I don't want you to do what I'm sharing. I want you to do the principle. Number eight, and I've done entire podcasts on this, disciple them. All right? Kids who stay in the Christian faith, who grew up in a Christian home, they've done all kinds of studies and interviews of why some kids stick with the faith and why some don't. And the only common denominator in every study is they had somebody who was not a parent who took an intentional interest in their spiritual life. And so disciple kids meet regularly outside of church to make sure they know the basics of the Christian life and they have someone to pour into them and to, and to dis- disciple them and to help them. T- Jesus said, go in the world and make disciples, baptizing them right in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. But people forget the Great Commission ended with teaching them to obey everything that I have commanded. And, and people need help to learn how to obey and live for God. I'll link in the show notes, The Awesome Adventure, which is a 12-lesson discipleship book that my wife and I wrote into the Disciple Land published, and it's been used for thousands of kids to be discipled one-on-one. And so many of these disciples that I had the privilege to do that with now are in ministry, um, now are in Bible college, now are married and active you know, in their church, and discipleship plays a significant role in keeping them on track. Number nine, we're getting down to the end, and this is an obvious one. Pray for your kids. I already I slipped and I told my prayer book idea earlier in the podcast, but pray for kids. Find out what they are concerned about, what they're worried about, and pray for them. And then it's important not only to actually pray, but to follow up. Because when you follow up with a kid to say, how's the situation going? Or how's this relative doing? Or how's your dog doing? Or whatever it was. How's how's your arm healing up? You know, it shows you actually care and, and that you actually prayed. You know, there's... in. We could, I could do a whole podcast on ideas, right? Prayer walls and prayer boxes they can drop slips in and all kinds of things. But it comes down to do we actually do it? In fact, I had one Sunday school teacher <laughs> that uh, uh, it was funny because one Sunday she was gone. 
and uh, and it was a last minute thing, and so uh, I substituted. And uh, when it got to be the prayer time, one of the kids said, "Where's the post-it notes?" And I said, "Oh." oh. And then I looked in the teacher's cabinet and found some post-it notes. So I I passed them out, and the kids all wrote prayer requests. But then they all started coming up and sticking them on me. And at first, I thought they were being silly. And so I said, "No, no, no, no. Let's not do that. Let's be serious about our prayer time." And they're like, "No. Th- this is what Mrs." Oh, I'm trying to remember her name. I don't want to say the wrong teacher's name because some of my teachers listen to the podcast. But um, they said that that's what that's what she does, and um, and and I kind of laughed and I said, well, why does she let you stick the post-it notes to her? Because she says it's they her our prayer requests will stick with her all week long, and she takes the post notes home and she sticks them in places in her house where she can pray for the kids. And I just thought it just blessed me. I just thought that was so awesome. And number ten, the last one is remember them. Be a friend for life, not just while they're in your classroom. All right, Kids expect you to care about them while they're in your class, but when they're no longer in your class, you know, they've moved on to youth ministry or even they become adults, when you still will keep in touch with them, check up on them, um, connect with them on Facebook, whatever it is, it makes a huge impact on them. A few years ago, at one of the camps that I was speaking at, there was a little girl there named Lindsay. And Lindsay um, really liked Gus, my puppet that I do when I'm teaching. You've heard him on the podcast. And um, so she actually uh, wrote a love note to Gus. And this got delivered to me um, by some friends or something. And so in the evening chapel, uh, I did a little uh, spiel, part of the you know the monologue connecting with the audience time, where I got out the love note or I caught Gus with it or something, and I read it to the to the entire camp. I, I got Lindsay's permission uh, to do that, and uh, of course Gus was so embarrassed that a girl wrote him a love note, and of course Lindsay um, got some fun teasing for it, but uh, she wasn't the only girl that adored my puppet. Well, at the uh, end of camp that week, uh, Lindsay asked if um, if if she could write to Gus. So I said, absolutely, you could write to Gus. And um, and I met her parents, and I, I told her told them what happens. Hey, Lindsay'd like to write to Gus if you, if you're okay with that. And uh, so I got their address. Well, Lindsay and Gus started writing, and um, I always wrote with my left hand, and Lindsay would write, and Gus would write back, and they ended up having this you know ongoing. Um, pen pal relationship and I always felt a little silly doing it because I was writing you know in my Gus persona and um and but she kept writing back and I I always tell kids if you write I'll always write back so I figured well this is going to go until until she uh, outgrows it or loses interest and um after about a half a year I got a a a message from the mom a letter from the mom and said that uh, Lindsay actually really struggled with a learning disability that made it very difficult for her to write or to type because she, um, she also did some emails. Well, her mother explains to me that there had been a dramatic improvement in her writing. In fact, when her um, speech therapist or writing therapist or doctor, whatever, asked, you know, what has made the difference? She said, you know, it's a silly thing, but she's got this pen pal relationship with a puppet <laughs> from camp last summer. And, uh, and so, of course, our reunion, um, the next year she came for, for several years. And um, and then the really touching thing was that uh, after the third year of seeing this girl and meeting her brother and becoming close friends with the parents, the mom 
called me one day and she said, you know, they were driving in the car one day and they were talking about con- contingency plans, you know, those serious family discussions where, um, you know, what would happen to the kids if mom and dad were to be called home, you know, for some reason, you know, if they were to die, basically. And uh, so they were talking about different relatives. Would you like to go to this relative or that relative? And they said Lindsay kept having reasons why... Um, None of those relatives worked. She loved them, but you know, one couple they'd never had kids, or one they were older, and I don't know the reasons. I'm I'm just kind of repeating from years ago what the mother shared with me. And after they'd gone through every known relative, the mother finally said, "Well, then, Lindsay, who should we, you know, have you guys go to live with to finish being raised?" And she said, "How about Pastor Carl and Sarah?" And of course, they had gotten to know my wife too. And uh, she said they don't have any kids yet, and um, they love Jesus and yada yada yada. And uh, and so we were asked if we would have the honor of being listed in their their will in in case uh, this were to happen. And uh, I've lost track of how many families have asked us that. I got to make sure they don't all get on the same bus or the same airplane, or I could suddenly have a house with thirty five children in it. Um, but it was such an honor, and it all started with. You know, just keeping in touch with them, remembering them, and and of all things, a pen pal relationship with a puppet, which at some level was fictitious, and yet it was relational, and it's so powerful. So those are your 10 tips. Let me run through them one more time. Notice kids. Surprise kids. Believe in them. Invest in them. Play with them. Value them. Dream with them. Disciple them. Pray for them and then remember them. And if you apply some of these to your ministry and the way you connect with kids, you will see a dramatic increase in your effectiveness as an administrator, manager, teacher, and all the many things that you do in your role, whether you're in charge or whether you're a volunteer or who teaches or is a club leader or something. It makes a huge impact. It's the way Jesus ministered, and it's the way we should too. Well, thanks for joining me again here on Kid Men Talk. And please know you are very welcome, even encouraged, to reach out and communicate with me. You can use Twitter at Kidologist or at Kidman Talk. My email address is carl at kidmentalk.com. And yes, that goes directly to me. You have direct access to... Uh, any way that I can encourage you or feedback or remember you can even shape the show by letting me know some topics that you might want me to address here on Kid Men Talk. Don't forget to check out Kid Check, the secure child check-in system that uh, I endorse so much that I partnered with them to make a discount for Kidology members. So until next time, this is Carl when once again we'll talk Kid Men. <laughs>